Hello, hello, and welcome everyone to another episode of the Yellow Card. We've just been coming off the international break, and what a selection of matches we've had this weekend! It's been absolutely enthralling to watch. Dipain, what exactly do you think of our first match? It was the Merseyside derby. It was the champions of the Premier League versus the current leaders of the Premier League, and who would have thought? that it's a Merseyside derby and both the Merseyside teams are one's on top and one one other current champions what are your thoughts on that match i'm surprised that you actually put it to me because knowing you i think you you're going to have a lot of thoughts on that match let's let's just not waste any time and i'll just unleash you on our viewers here chirag tell me what you feel since saturday afternoon what you've been feeling what you've been going through Well, right now I was going for my sense of inner calm because maybe I need to attain nirvana. Because after that match, it was just I I don't remember the last time that I sulked that long. It it was just appalling. War stole the points from Liverpool, and I repeat, stole the points from Liverpool. It was never an offside. I'm sorry if that's the way the lines are drawn. I don't know if the referee, the VAR referee, actually you know paused. the play at the wrong time or at a certain point which determined that mane's shoulder or arm was slightly offside i don't really think that's the way var should be used i completely disagree with the decision as a liverpool fan i was completely appalled at the decision and i was in complete ecstasy with actually henderson scoring in the last minute of the game to actually take the points for liverpool what made it even more appalling was the what happened at the start of the game where van dijk was recklessly fouled by pickford and in my opinion first of all it could have been a penalty now the reasoning for it not being a penalty is look it was an offside and therefore it cannot be a penalty even if i condone that and accept that as hard as it is for me it was an absolutely absolutely reckless challenge by pickford on van dijk nothing can condone that he needed to be sent off immediately by the referee if he wasn't he needed to be sent off by var and the fact that really hurt even more was the fa came out saying that there's going to be no retrospective action so i am all kinds of hurt and all kinds of appalled by the way the game ended and what transpired during the game van dijk faces a long term injury and a long time out of the game his acl is injured and he's going to get uh, surgery on that yeah i agree i exactly on pickford i, I am absolutely with you on that that was a very 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 reckless challenge from him and we were not saying that he did it intentionally you know but a reckless challenge like that he deserves to be punished for that and you can always do it even post the match the fa could impose a penalty on him but yeah that that being said van dyke yes possibly for the entire season is now going to be out the mane offside of course you can say that you know technology knows best but then yeah scoring a goal in the last minute for henderson you thought you had the victory yeah, it's tough but moving on to everton everton probably came out and this was probably the best result they could have hoped for or were they really going for a victory here honestly if and i'm going to try very hard to be unbiased over you but 
from an Everton's point of view, they could have actually gone for the victory because from, from if 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 you're thinking like Ancelotti, first of all, they've had an amazing start to the season. Add to that, they've actually taken Van Dijk out, albeit unintentionally. But you've got the best center, potentially the best centre back in the world sidelined to. Uh, I mean, Gomez taking Van Dijk's place is not exactly the best centre-back pairing between Matip and Gomez. Obviously, can be uh, looked to, uh, you know, uh, take a, be taken advantage of. And they certainly had their chances. So, with Calvert-Lewin in amazing form, with them having Richarlison, Rodriguez, they obviously could have definitely tried to win the game. And I, I'm pretty sure that's, that's what they certainly did. So... Uh, there was no shortage of attempts on their part. It is just that it probably didn't pan out that way for for them. But from their point of view, I think it's a very, very good result. They end up still top top of the table. Uh, No losses yet. Um, A lot to look forward to from the blue side of Merseyside. Yeah, just wanted to mention also Richarlison also got a red card in the match. I mean, Richarlison got a red card. No one else did. But Richarlison got a red card in the match It's for a late challenge on Thiago. I think that was itself also pretty reckless. And uh, yeah, Thiago thankfully hasn't suffered the fate that Van Dijk has. Anyways, let's move on to Chelsea versus Southampton. Chelsea were looking comfortable. They were looking good, scoring goals from Werner and Havertz. Uh, What happened there, Chirak? Well, I think actually they made a very, very strong start to the game. Uh, Finally, you got to see Timo Werner in all his glory. Why Chelsea paid all that money for him. So, I think it was a really, really good start by Chelsea and Werner. But that unfortunately just seemed to fade away. Uh, I think Ings got the first goal back for Southampton. And of course, Ings has been in some really great goal scoring from from last season and he's taken that into this season. And if I'm not mistaken, they were able to actually uh, grab a second back as well. So uh, from a Southampton point of view, very, very positive because they actually ended up with a chance in the game. And uh, from a Chelsea standpoint, uh, amazingly disappointing because uh, they actually had to go and get themselves back into the game through that Havertz goal. Uh, and and this actually may, we may be seeing a trend from Chelsea where they're going to actually end up leaking a lot of goals, even though that they're scoring. So it's going to be interesting to see how Lampard manages that because at the end of the day, no matter how much you put in, uh, the defence is very important. And if you want to stay in that top 3-4, you need to be very strong defensively. Thiago Silva was missing this game. I think he's going to be important for them this season to just steady the defence, even though, yes, he made a, a mistake in his first Premier League ma- outing. It's going to be something which Lampard needs to fix, certainly. And interesting from a, from a fan's perspective uh, or from a commentator's perspective in terms of how it's going to pan out because, for example, I have bet strongly on Chelsea and I think that they will end up in the top four and they still don't really seem convincing for me. Yeah, there are errors at the back constantly. More or less, they are individual errors. In this match also, you saw Zuma trying to pass the ball back to Kepa, fall short. Kepa did come out 50-50, he almost got there, but then yeah, he missed it. So, another error from... I mean, you can... Put it down to both of them for that goal. Zuma and Kepa both uh, responsible for errors on that goal. Kepa was back because Mendy was injured. So, that will obviously change again once Mendy recovers. But yeah, Danny Ings, is, his good form continues. His goal scoring form continues. And Shea Adams is also getting in on the act. So, Southampton also have a couple of positives there to look forward to. 
Oh, absolutely. And Walcott has returned to his boyhood club. So that's another interesting addition to the Southampton lineup. So uh, a lot to look forward to. Vestergaard is, is obviously a very capable, more than capable and a very tall defender. And he showed that when he actually got the uh, last goal in injury time. But uh, I think one thing that needs to be kept in mind is that uh, I don't necessarily blame Kepa, which is why I actually... Uh, put my hand to heart and kept quiet about his error over here because I actually blame Zuma a little more in this instance. So, uh, a lot for Lampard to be wary of. Moving on, Depain, I think let's go to Manchester City and your favourite team, Arsenal. Solid performance by Manchester City. Arsenal were not too bad, but yeah, there were a couple of things that I really want to would like to point out. Firstly, Guardiola making RK play at left back, which I thought was interesting, which and it worked very well. Aguero was back for Manchester City. Aguero and Sterling teamed up for the goal, so that that is obviously good news for Manchester City also. And in terms of Arsenal, I don't know why they why they did not play a centre forward. I mean, there there was no Lacazette. Eddie was not playing either, so. Yeah, interesting thing. Maybe it's got to do something with the whole Guardiola and Arteta kind of uh, Arteta kind of being the understudy for Guardiola knows a couple of things, but certainly did not work. But in terms of Arsenal, Arsenal versus Liverpool and Arsenal versus Manchester City, the two losses that Arsenal have, these are two losses that they would have taken into account at the start of the season. These are games which you kind of expected to lose. You don't go in wanting to lose, but then these are kind of, when when you're taking a fair assessment, these are the matches that you're expected to lose. And there were steady performances. Although I do think that we could have got more from the game. But yeah, in the end, 1-0 probably was a fair result to the whole match. I, I actually agree with your assessment. I think it was interesting that Oba started in the middle. First time I think he's done that under Arteta, if I'm not mistaken. Definitely first time this season, but I think it was the first time under Arteta. And um, I do agree that there could have been a little bit of gamesmanship between Arteta and Guardiola, seeing that they know each other so well. A lot of positives for City. They've got back to winning ways finally. But having said that, I think from an Arsenal perspective, I wouldn't really be discouraged by the performance because from a while they may have been aware that they could lose both the games to Liverpool and City. I don't think they were major majorly big losses and especially with City, I don't think that they were completely out of the game. So that's something which they really, really need to look forward to because that's obviously changed a lot since uh, Arteta has taken over. He has a different style, a different brand of football and they're actually playing well again uh, under him. So all credit to Arsenal. I think it's a lot more positive uh, than it was earlier and a lot to look forward to. It was definitely more hopeful than Maybe this time last year or last season or towards the end of last season also when things started picking up slightly once Arteta came in. So, yeah, that there there are positives for Arsenal. There are definite positives for Man City in that game. So, I think both teams got what they were looking for. Manchester City finally got a clean sheet as well. So, that's always good for them. Now, moving on to the other side of Manchester, the Red Devils. What are your thoughts on that match? They actually left it late, but they put on a pretty decent performance at the end. Yeah, they're they're rediscovering their habit of leaving it late. Three late goals that made it 4-1 victory for Manchester United. 
Newcastle were kind of missing in the game for most of the game I think they didn't really threaten the Manchester United goal they let Manchester United do their thing but for up, up until the 80th minute it was looking like Manchester United wouldn't get the result that they were looking for Bruno Fernandes missed a penalty during the game but he more than made up for it later on and Harry Maguire finally something good happening to Harry Maguire with the goal goal that he scored and Aaron Van Bissaka got his first goal so plenty of positives for Manchester United as well so overall a good week in Manchester I think actually a couple of things I would like to say first of all while uh, from a, from a match perspective against Newcastle I think they did relatively well yes Bruno missed a penalty but I think it's his first in 20 or so that he's missed so uh, can't complain and he, like you said he more than made up for it uh, they looked probably the better side that deserved the points on the day maguire had a good game so finally yes uh, i think uh, it was a really really good sight to see that maguire is getting back i mean uh, the goal could have only done him good done his confidence good and i think from a defensive perspective also it went pretty well for maguire from an overall manchester united point of view i would just like to say that despite the fact that i said look uh, uh, cavani was like a desperate move i think because i actually like cavani so much i'm actually looking forward to seeing him being part of that united attack and it's going to be interesting once he comes on whether that be in the next game against psg or in the next couple of weeks remains to be seen alex tellez also should be a good addition he didn't really replace luke shaw let's see whether he's able to take his place in the united 11 on a regular basis so definitely a lot of positives from the from the united camp and uh, I, i if i was a united supporter there is a sense of optimism remember they've also extended pogba's contract although uh, anyone's best bet why because i just don't know what he's doing in the side it's like pog who pog why we don't need him from my perspective please extend his contract so that you get some money from madrid for him because i think he's again voiced his desire to play for madrid one day send him anywhere i don't think he's been great for united at all ever so please send him out wherever you want other than that i think yes it's been good for united so remains to be seen then the rest Yeah let's move on to what could what was potentially the match of the week Tottenham Hotspur versus West Ham three early goals from Tottenham and then in the last 10 minutes disaster struck Tottenham did it well let let me give my thoughts on the game because this one hurt a little less than the Liverpool <laughs> than the <laughs> Liverpool draw but it still hurt because i couldn't believe it first of all uh Imagine what is going through the mind of David Moyes when his side go tunnel down very quickly. It's all of a sudden flashback. Maybe I should have stayed at home and managed the match from uh, from my couch because that's what's been happening. The last two games were amazing, and they go tunnel down and then they let in a third. So David Moyes must be going like, I, I think it's just better if I'm away from the stadium because that's what it was when when we were winning. And uh, from a from a Spurs perspective. all going smooth it's the kane and son show that we're very very used to um one's helping the other out if and and vice versa so it was really really wonderful to see them continuously picking up where they left off even before the international break lots and lots of positives for spurs until the 82nd minute uh, it was amazing to see bale 
come on and I, I, I was watching the match and he came on and he goes straight to the ball one uh, to take that free kick. And I remember the commentators saying, does he dare? And in my mind, I'm going, he so does, he so does. And of course, nothing happened and, and, and uh, the, the ball went straight into the keeper's hands. But if anyone can come on and have that kind of a majestic entrance, one would have thought it would be Bale. He actually had a really good opportunity to score yet again. And uh, he actually dribbled past two, three players. Wonderful piece of skill, but let, let it go past the outside of the post. And that was that for Spurs, because then all of a sudden in the last 10 minutes of the game, three goals, three West Ham goals, and Hammers really did a number on Dottingham. <laughs> Nothing else to say. Yeah, I think the last 10 minutes were, I mean, quite crazy. It didn't look like West Ham were actually looking like looking for a comeback. It just looked like things just naturally happened for them. And uh, yeah, they put in some long balls into the box and... You know, they just they just said we'll figure what happens with that, and one goal after the other. Uh, does Mourinho need to take some uh, slack for this? I mean, once you're three nil up, you're not li- really looking to increase that advantage. Why bring on say Bale? You can understand maybe because he needs to be introduced in a comfortable way, probably because of the lack of match fitness that he has. But why bring on, say, Lucas Mora, for example, when you're already 3-0 up? Why not a defensive mid or a defender to just, you know, close out the game, take the three points, a good performance, clean sheet, everyone goes home happy? But let me ask you a question. Why not? Because Harry Winks was brought on along with Bale, if I'm not mistaken. That was not exactly the most offensive uh, looking mindset. He he balanced it out with Bale and Winks. And then when he went with Mora, look, the 3-0 three, up... They can afford to rest players. They've got a Europa, Europa League match during the week. Lucas Mora is not someone that's come from nowhere. He's a very, very well-established player. Now he's probably on the bench. The only reason he's on the bench is because of Bale. So it's not like we've got, uh, and uh, you know, it's not like we've got like a really weakened bench. And I lo- use the term "we" loosely over here, but it's not like. Uh, Spurs have got a weakened bench or they weakened the side drastically by bringing on Mora. And let me ask you another question. If Mourinho sits back and parks the bus, you'll say he parked the bus. If he goes and makes some decent offensive moves, you'll say, oh, he should have parked the bus. So it's like, you know, the special one can't win because you just don't want him to. Please tell me there was nothing wrong with what he did. It was just a matter of bad luck. I don't know what you mean by y'all, but I'll tell you. So, when you park the bus after 3-0, it's called smart coaching. When you park the bus before the match starts, it's called defensive coaching. So, that is the difference between the two uh, arguments there. (laughs) But, yeah. So, but fair enough. I mean, it was just something that could be considered for future. Let's see how Mourinho takes it from here. Maybe next match, he's parked the bus from the start and... Then bring on the forwards towards the 80th minute. Go the other way around, maybe. Don't worry. I'm sure that Mourinho and Spurs will turn things around. <laughs> I hope for the sake of their prediction that they do. <laughs> Moving on then to Villa. And I think that, you know, I'm still amazed. I don't really have much to say. And that's astounding because I think... The fact that they're four out of four, um, is that correct? The four out of four wins? Yeah, four out of four. They went with another clean sheet and managed to get a victory from what would would look like it would have been a stalemate against a Leicester side that were reasonably strong, albeit without 
uh, without their talisman in Jamie Vardy, but uh, look pretty good. So uh, I think from a Villa standpoint, you've got to give them a lot of credit. They still look good value. They took a clean sheet out of the game. They won, and it still keeps on getting better and better. And every time I look at the lineup, I, I the only thing that I think about Villa is they don't have enough depth in their squad as a general eleven. I think they look like a good eleven, a good starting eleven. What do you think, Dipen? Yeah, no, definitely positives for Aston Villa there. I mean, they are the only ones now with a hundred percent win record in the league so far. They have a game in hand. They're just one point behind Everton at the top. So yeah, things are looking very good for Aston Villa, and I'm actually quite pleased with their performance against Leicester as well. As you said, there was no Jamie Vardy, but then it still looked like a pretty even match between Aston Villa and Leicester. It didn't look like there was a difference in quality. They were matching Leicester, and I think there is definite positives for this Villa side. See, teams like Aston Villa, Everton, they're right now at the top and they don't have to worry about european competitions and you know balancing that part of the so a slightly thin squad is also not that bad for them agreed agreed uh, in other news i think fulham and sheffield played out a 1-1 draw as did palace and brighton i don't have anything extensive to report on those games other than if i'm not mistaken I think Mitrovic became the first player since 2012 to miss a penalty at one end and and actually be responsible for giving one at the other. <laughs> oh, poor Mitrovic. That's a bad record to have against your name, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> West Brom, West Brom and Burnley I think again played out a nil-nil draw and one of my favorite teams with Bielsa Leeds actually went down 1-0 to a Jimenez goal. Yeah. Uh, about West Brom Burnley that nil nil came after 46 games this was the 47th game of this season and it was the first nil nil match so finally what everyone's been wanting to watch a nil nil draw who thought anyone would ever want to see that <laughs> so yeah but leeds yeah, they they did actually leeds looked quite good against wolves for quite some part of the game they looked like they were the more attacking side but wolves in the end uh, proved uh, i mean with the imminent goal they saw out the match and got a good win it was much needed victory for wolves as well they've been having a tough start to the season so it's good it's a good victory for them and leeds definitely showing more and more promise so goes well for them also going ahead i agree and that's pretty much the round up of the premier league action that we had this past week we can move on to our next segment where we'll just talk quickly about a couple of games that are going to take place during midweek this week in the champions league because some interesting games i think the one that really stands out for me is united going to psg and for a couple of reasons number one is that we could potentially see the return of cavani uh, to uh, psg at, at psg it remains to be seen how fit he is and whether he will start or come off the bench if at all for a united side and another thing that needs to be remembered is the fact that i think ole potentially got the united job based on performances against psg so it's going to be a rather interesting matchup and i'm really looking forward to that this round other than that i think uh, things uh, you know Ch- chelsea have a good group and and a lot to look forward to this week in the in the champions league uh, Liverpool could have some problems especially against Ajax this week 
Um, what are your thoughts? Any other matches that you think are going to be of actual prominence or should be, you know, ones to watch out for? Did you really say Liverpool could have problems against Ajax? Hey, we don't have a defense right now. <laughs> it's just the group stages. I'm sure you can manage without one player. Consider it a rest for Van Dijk for a game. But Alisson, yeah. Van Dijk, I think, I think the first time that they both were out of a game was the last time that happened was January of 2018 and and pardon me if I'm making the error uh, in terms of the length of time or the last time they pl- Liverpool played without both but I think it was Jan 2018 right but you now have a squad right you now have a big squad and I'm sure people will be able to step in and take care of the Ajax game for for now but anyways moving on to the Champions League part I think uh, Bayern are playing uh, Atletico so that should also be uh, a good match to watch. Chelsea plays Sevilla. That should also be interesting. And you've already mentioned PSG, Manchester United. So that those are the three that were on my list of the games that I would I would be watching, looking out for this week. Bayern, Bayern Atletico could be definitely very interesting. I mean, two contrasting sides going at each other. That should be really really interesting to. I actually want to see how. Bayern are going to respond to their victory in the Champions League. I think they won every game in last 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 year's last season's Champions League. So it's going to be interesting because it's not an easy first round match or um, not an easy group stage match to start with against Atleti. So it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it. And uh, I expect them to come come out all guns blazing. And I'm very very excited to see how Bayern perform this Champions League because they are definitely one of the favourites. I think during the course of the of the group stages, uh, I think maybe next week it's going to be Juventus versus Barcelona and Messi, Ronaldo potentially, if Ronaldo actually comes back with a negative COVID test in time. That's something we all look forward to, Juventus, uh, Barcelona. I mean, Messi, Ronaldo more than Juventus, Barcelona, but yeah. Watching the two of them play against each other is always always intriguing, always fun, and always something that you look forward to. Let's let's do a quick prediction, Chirag. Which of the big teams would you think has a chance of getting knocked out early this Champions League? Well, that's difficult to say, primarily because I think I, I think two from each group go through, which means that from my perspective, a big team that could go out, I, I'd consider into a big team. And if you look at the group, it's Real Madrid, Shakhtar, Inter and Mönchengladbach. So, Mönchengladbach actually could actually steal the number two spot and uh, no reason why Shakhtar can't do the same. So, uh, th- that could be a potential biggie going out soon. Other than that, I don't actually think that we're going to have um, any bogey teams. Though, bear in mind that the United group has United, PSG and RB Leipzig. So, again... That that seems like a very interesting group and expect some fireworks because United are not on song right now and Leipzig are not playing badly. So you think Manchester United can upset Leipzig or PSG? No, I'm saying <laughs> it would be it would be an upset if United don't make it. Past. All right. On that note, I think that's it for this this week from us, Chirag and Deepen. That's the yellow card episode seven for you. Take care and cheers. Cheers, guys.